Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on weei.com. Back for another Off Day Podcast, an entirely new era in the Off Day Podcast. This is Andy Hart, your old uh, second fiddle, and our first fiddle, Ryan Hannibal, has pulled a Josh McDaniels. Moved on to bigger and better pastures, and therefore we have a uh, a new co-host for the Off Day podcast we need to introduce, and his name is Chris Scheim. Some of you will remember him from some pre-draft battles discussing various uh, positions uh, last spring as we prepared for the NFL draft, but he's now the producer of the Greg Hill Show on WEEI, and he's now the co-host of the Off Day Podcast. Chris Scheim, how the hell are you? Uh, Andy Hart, I am wonderful. I'm trying to make as many podcasts as I possibly can my own. <laughs> I, I conquered the Winners Club, and now I'm here to the Off Day with you, and I'm excited to be able to uh, talk with you weekly now. Okay, so we got to get into this first, uh, the Chris Scheim addition to the podcast. Um, I'll say that Ryan Hannibal had his uh, critics at times over the last few years. For sure. We uh, we banged out a couple hundred podcasts since I joined WEEI. 215, it looked like. Wow, that's a lot of podcasts. At least that's how many episodes there are. That's what I saw. That's, that's a lot of babbling. Good job. Uh, but we, we banged out some podcasts, and there were certain critics of Ryan on Twitter that would like to poke him a little bit. And then when I announced on Twitter that you would be replacing him, I found that you have your critics. And it seems to stem from what I can gather from the fact that um, you're a vocal critic of Mac Jones. Yeah, that's generally the crux of everyone's problems with me, is that I am very vocal about how I think Mac Jones is relatively mediocre. Uh, and I'm okay with that, you know? without Every, every good spokesman has critics, and that's going to happen. And I am going to continue to spew my nonsense and tell you that Mac Jones isn't that great. And people <laughs> can hate me for it. They can love me for it. I'm okay with it, as long as you're listening. <laughs> well, I like to say, when I'm getting criticized, genius often walks alone. This is so, true. If you don't like what I have to say, well, that's on you. But it's a boulevard of broken dreams, my friend. That's true. I will also say that Shime, there's a lot to like. Um, he's energetic. He is passionate, opinionated. He loves food and football. So Those are two, my, two, two of my favorite things on the planet, actually. So. I, I think a lot of our listeners probably uh, fall under a similar umbrella, and I think in general, I also am a big believer that people just hate change, and therefore you are replacing Ryan Hannibal, and they may have not liked Ryan Hannibal, but they knew Ryan Hannibal, and they had gotten used to Ryan Hannibal, so now they're going to bitch about you taking Ryan Hannibal away. Uh, so now it's going to be shine, but I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to the, because uh, I think you, the one thing I will say, 
that I didn't have a lot of fights with Ryan Hannibal on the podcast over the, the last couple of years. Yeah. I foresee some battles between you and I at various points, and whether it's off-season, in-season, player projections, training camp, uh, roster projections, I could foresee us uh, doing oh, a little uh, absolutely. I think I think you and I are, are pretty good friends, but at the same time, we have our stances when it comes to football and foods, and uh, when we cross each other, we, we're not afraid to get in the mud a little bit and, uh, and talk some trash, you know? Right. For example... I was a big believer three years ago, essentially, that Joe Burrow was special. You thought the Bengals should pass on Joe Burrow to draft other crap, and, uh, well, I'm right. Yeah, you know what? Andy, you were right. <laughs> Joe Burrow is special. Uh, I thought he was good. I didn't think he was this good, uh, to be fair. So, you know, it is what it is. You can't be right about everything. Well, we'll try. And one guy <laughs> who tries to be right about everything, and we're going to kick off the Patriots discussion oh in this area, is Bill Belichick. Certainly, uh I think he has a high opinion of himself. I think he generally thinks. Yes, I think he thinks his way is the way. Um, So his way this off season is drawing some uh, doubt. I dare say some criticism, some all in faith from certain portions of the internet. But uh, so I mentioned it earlier. Ryan Hannibal left us, and Josh McDaniels left the Patriots. Josh McDaniels left with Dave Ziegler, new GM of the Raiders. Josh McDaniels took Carmen Brasillo, Patriots offensive line coach, Bo Hardigree, Patriots assistant quarterbacks coach, Mick Lombardi, Patriots wide receivers coach. And so far, Bill Belichick's response in New England was to promote Matt Groh to director of player personnel, which I'm fine with. Yeah, it makes sense. And bring back Joe Judge as an offensive assistant. Yeah, I, this doesn't make sense to me. I just, I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. Why are you putting everything in the hands of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? These guys suck. I have, I have, there's a drop on this station of each of us calling Matt Patricia a boob on multiple occasions. So I, I know we're, we're in the same corner there. And I think you stand in relatively the same area as me on Joe Judge. Like, this guy, I mean, come on. You're bringing back a guy as an offensive assistant whose offense in the NFL couldn't get a touchdown to their highest paid wide receiver this year and barely was able to score a touchdown in the final month or two months of the season. The New York Giants were inept on offense, and you want Joe Judge to be an offensive assistant? Oh, screw off. That's so ridiculous. And and the bigger issue for me is, you're right, his offense didn't develop Daniel Jones. Nothing. Didn't the Offense was at the bottom of the NFL for a two-year span in, in just about everything. Yep. Um, has its uh, lasting legacy and infamy of a quarterback sneak on third down oh my God, uh, from, from his own five. like five yeah terrible um th- there's a lot to dislike about joe judge as an offensive guy the thing i like the least is that he's not really an offensive guy yeah he's a special teamer and i keep saying matt patricia has his critics but if you tell me matt patricia is running the patriots defense at least that's what his job has been in the nfl for the better part of the last 15 years. And he did it while they won a Super Bowl. Like, he's Correct. proven to have done it. Like, if you told me Joe Judge is kind of come back, Cam Akers, Aker, is it Acord? Accord. Accord. Cam Accord's done, and Joe Judge is sliding right back into special teams coordinator. I'm fine with that. That makes sense to me. Yep. I get it. I'm in. I think adding him back to the locker room isn't a bad thing, especially in a job we know he's good and capable of doing. But when you tell me all of a sudden he is going to now become an offensive assistant, yeah, I'm out on that. And and I don't really understand it. Uh, I feel a little bit like uh, Hugh Jackson when the Browns brass is explaining me their four-year plan. I, I just don't really understand <laughs> I it. I don't quite get it. Um, it's like I keep comparing it. It's a dial 
that's like a click off. If you just rotate it, oh, Patricia goes to defense, Judge goes to special teams. Now you can sell me on Bill Belichick is going to have to oversee the offense, whether it's Nick Cayley, whoever you bring in, whatever, even if it's Bill calling the plays. But right now, we started the offseason with the one of the biggest questions was the defense, no coordinator, too many voices, it's led to confusion, it's led to not forcing the Bills to punt in two straight games. Now that's seemingly forgotten because there's a bigger issue in coaching, and that's the offensive side of the ball. And we haven't mentioned his name yet, but it's a really key name to mention. Mac Jones. Well, and yeah, I know you I don't love that's him. That's the big issue. I, I think no matter where you stand, whether you like him or dislike him, I don't think that really matters when you're looking nope. at this coaching staff. What matters is they don't have a guy to teach him. Even if you think he can be great, they don't have a guy to really guide him. Unless Belichick's going to be the one sitting on the bench with him during the game, going over, uh, you know, different uh, clips and the sheets of paper and all different, all the different plays, and using the iPad and being like, "Hey, look at you had this guy wide open," or "We need to change this up and make this read," uh, I, which I don't think Belichick can do because he's kind of busy being the head coach of the game. So I just I I don't know who that guy is going to be, and there there has to be somebody. You would think that Belichick would at least hire somebody for that specific job, the one job that seems more essential than just about every other job in that building. Okay, so I'm going to spin it positive now because anybody can critique what's going on for Belichick's coaching staff, the offensive side of the ball. I do think it's unfair to Mac Jones the way it looks from afar right now. Yep, to pretend he is far enough along in his development that you can get creative with your coaching staff or whatever. But I'm going to take a positive spin now. I'm going to work it up. I started it yesterday on Maloney and Fourier, and I'm still kind of workshopping it. So Mick Lombardi leaves with Josh McDaniels. A good reason for him to leave, in my opinion, would be Nick Cayley. Mick Lombardi says, you know what? Bill loves Nick Cayley. Bill's going to make Nick Cayley the play caller. Nick Cayley in two years, three years, going to be the offensive coordinator. For the next five years, this is going to be Nick Cayley's offense. Why would I hang around? There's no room for me to grow and advance. I'm going with Josh to Las Vegas. So, is there any way you can sell yourself personally on tight ends coach? So he's involved. He's been here five years, I believe, as tight ends coach. Seven years overall. He's involved with the run game, the pass game, the protection, the routes, everything. Any way you can sell yourself on Nick Cayley is a rising star offensive coaching mind. Go. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to push myself on rising star. I can sell myself on him becoming the offensive coordinator, though. I can sell myself on him calling plays. I don't think that there's just the way Belichick does things. There's not many quote unquote rising stars that just like shoot through the organization and they're like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. He's gonna be the next the next Kyle Shanahan or the next Sean McVay. Like Belichick doesn't really grow those guys. He grows relatively well rounded, decent coaches. His coaching tree isn't tremendous. It's fine. <laughs> uh it's it's had its moments, but it's also really uh, struggled as well. And so is there a chance Nick Cayley can be a decent to good offensive coordinator? I buy that. I'm in. But I also don't see him being, you know, the the next guy being interviewed for head coaching jobs next year in this next coaching hire cycle. He's just going to be at every interview. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I will say, in terms of Belichick's coaching tree, if you include players, he's doing much better. Well, yeah, got, if you include players, because then you add Mike Vrabel to the mix. Mike Vrabel, Cliff Kingsbury, Kevin O'Connell. Oh, yeah, you know. it's true. 
they were part-time players. They were both barely here a yeah, year. But they're but backup hey. quarterbacks. So that means Brian Hoyer has something good in his future. Sure. Uh, another wild card name to keep out there, and I know your uh, former boy, uh, chubby Mark Davis, oh, yeah. uh, Andy Gresh, threw out there this idea that uh, Brian Hoyer is some sort of a priority signing. Yes. Um, I'd actually be more able to probably sell myself on Brian Hoyer, quarterback's coach. Brian Hoyer, part of the coaching staff. Brian yeah. Hoyer. Offensive assistant. Yeah, building his relationship, which I think we've heard enough from uh, Mac Jones that he he bought into what Brian Hoyer was selling. He How many times did he say, Hoy, Hoy, oh, Hoy did this, Hoy told me that, Hoy told me this. So I'd rather see Brian Hoyer join the coaching staff than be wasted as a backup quarterback, although I guess in the backup quarterback role he can be a an influence, a sounding board, a mentor. Yeah, but I think um, Hoyer, like he kind of fits the 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 present mold, right? Of what guy or what teams are looking for in offensive minded coaches, right? He former quarterback. Yep. He he may not have been supremely talented, but he understands the position. He understands the functions behind the offense, and on top of that, he's young enough where he relates with all of the players. And I think that's the big movement right now in the NFL, right? Like Bill Belichick is kind of. One of the one of the lesser commodities being a dinosaur in the NFL. Like all these guys, I mean, we just saw a Super Bowl with the two youngest quarterbacks ever to be in a Super Bowl, and I think you're going to see that more often. Guys like Zach Taylor and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury, Kevin O'Connell. You just keep going down and down the list. I, I understand that most of those guys are McVay tree guys, but they can also be Belichick tree guys eventually too. If Belichick sees that as something that helps teams win, I don't see why he wouldn't go in that direction. You want me to throw something at you? Some Ooh, numbers? Toss some it. research? Yeah. Because I've been, uh, I'll probably be doing a column at, on this at some point. Okay. Um, the average age of an NFL coach right now, 48.9 years old. Bill Belichick, 69, about to turn 70. So he's 21 years older than the average NFL head coach. Uh, the average NFL coach has 3.7 years of experience right now. If you take out Bill Belichick, it drops to 3.2 years of experience. Bill Belichick has, with the Patriots, 22 years of experience. So we And, and also, uh, 20 of the 32 NFL head coaches are offensive background guys compared to 11 for defense, 1 for special teams. Uh, that's really prevalent in the uh, NFC, yep. where the NFC has gone young and offense. The NFC has 12 head coaches that are offensive-minded, and almost all of them have less than five years' experience. I believe it's 13 of the NFC coaches have less than five years of experience with their wow. current team. So, yeah, no matter how you measure it, Bill, and he's great. I'm not saying, oh, you know, get rid of him because he's old. He's he's old, and he has 22 years of experience because he's really good. He's yeah. had a ridiculous run of success. And I think I think tying into that, if you pull Bill and Andy Reid out of that, because Andy oh, yeah. Reid's another guy yep. who is much more on the older side, and but he has also had a lot of success in the NFL. You pull those two guys out of it, that number of experience and age probably drops even more. Right. So it's definitely a young man's offensive-minded profession right now, Correct. coaching in the NFL. Uh, so that's that's where it's interesting that in that light we're talking about they don't have any young developing offensive coaches. I mean, Nick Cayley is the only returning assistant coach. Everybody else is gone or retiring, so you'll be promoting, uh, in all likelihood, Troy Brown, I guess, becomes the wide receivers coach. I'm assuming Vinny Sanceri becomes the running backs coach. And offensive line-wise, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I, I don't rule out Cole Popovich 
coming back. If you remember, he was you know yep. the assistant O line coach who wasn't vaccinated and therefore couldn't be on the staff this year. I don't know where those rules will go uh, moving forward into 2022. But the reality is, there is not much experience, not much. I mean, I don't want to say not much potential because I guess that's disrespectful to to Nick Cayley, but their offense is a major wild card right now, and I just. I don't really understand how you can have – you did the hard part. Well, you don't think they did the hard part, but you got a franchise quarterback. You got a Pro Bowl rookie quarterback. You have a quarterback. and Yes, and now you're going to just throw him to the wolves? Yeah, like, that's why to me it almost feels like – so the idea that Nick Cayley is this quote-unquote rising star, I, I guess is technically possible, right? He's you know one of these <laughs> John Carroll guys. Like I guess yep. technically it's possible, but to me – the more realistic scenario is that there's a lot of scuttlebutt inside the Patriot organization that Bill O'Brien comes back, a guy Mac is familiar with, yeah, has a lot of experience. I, that, that and that I guess that's the biggest question, right? Is that why is I, it so silent? I, Both I don't programs know. need even, to move on, don't they? Alabama I, needs to move on. There's especially Alabama. You play spring football. You have spring coaching. Right? I'm pretty like, sure Curran even said that. Like a lot of people in the Patriot organization just don't know what what's going on like they don't yep. they're un, very unsure of the future and to me that seems odd Rappaport has told us and I know you're not a huge Rappaport guy but he told Gresham Keith that the Patriots do move glacially slow when it comes to coaching staff decisions I get that but this feels even worse than glacially slow at this yeah. point yeah we're past the senior bowl we're heading into the combine like you're supposed to be moving forward, not figuring out how you move forward. Still yeah. laying the plan, and I don't. I know. I think Crapsheet also told you guys right around the Joe Judge announcement and hire that this might be it on the offense. Yeah, I that, feel like he threw that phrase out. He there. did. He absolutely did that. This might be it on the offense, and Belichick would take a bigger hand in that. But then, then you it begs another question: in is Belichick putting too much on his plate? He yes. technically doesn't have a defensive coordinator. If he yep. technically doesn't have an offensive coordinator, that means he's essentially in charge of doing both jobs. And to boot, at the moment, I don't quite love the way the special teams is being run. And so all that in the, into consideration, aside from the players on the actual roster, and oh, by the way, he's the GM. Like that, He is now in charge of all of these things instead of just overseeing and delegating. And to me, at 69 years old, Seems like a very difficult task to be taking on all of this. That is uh, basically the column I wrote this morning on WEI.com. And in there I questioned, remember the phrase used to be, do your job? Yes. Now it feels like Bill's phrase is, do everyone's job. Yeah, Like he's trying to literally do everyone's job because you mapped it out. No offensive coordinator, no defensive coordinator. You lost your highest ranking personnel uh, guy after you had a I think by all accounts, good slash very good slash maybe great offseason in terms of free agency in the draft. And your special teams was historically bad. It is what it is. Cam Acord, I don't know. Not saying you're not a good coach, but the results sucked on the field from almost start to finish this past year. And oh, by the way, you might lose your uh, career Hall of Fame special teamer in Matthew Slater, and your kicker's not getting any younger either. So I. I'm still. I mean, he's earned the benefit of the doubt. You have to say that with Bill. Yeah, like, he's the sure. phrase in Bill we trust was built on success. But it's really wearing thin at this point, right? I mean, 
Yes, right now it is. Yeah, this moment. And you know what? Come draft time, he's probably going to take some player that everybody is like unanimously loved, and people are going to forget all about this. <laughs> and Because that's just the way the Patriots news cycle tends to work. And then, you know what, and this will bubble back up about September, whatever, when they're in their second or third game, and they're in their usual, well, September's always a feeling out process. And, and they we lose week one and... to Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and everybody's like, well, maybe if you hire hired some coaches who knew what the hell they were doing or maybe you weren't spread too thin it I just I think this is ripe for criticism throughout the summer uh, and certainly early in the season unless you get off to a really really good start um, but that that's going to be I think an ongoing topic and you said it maybe we'll get more information maybe you know Bill O'Brien will arrive if so then erase everything we just said because I have full faith in Bill O'Brien I think it's the perfect fit or maybe even another guy Adam Gase who at least has coached offense and has been an offensive coordinator and has called plays in the National Football League for multiple teams. At least there's experience there. Yeah, but we when, can... do you, so realistically, though, do, do you expect Belichick to bring in a guy like Gase? Because like, I keep looking at it, and I can't find nearly anybody that he brings in from outside of the Patriots organization, right? Like, There's not a lot of guys in the history of this coaching, uh, coaching squadron, if you will, that he has brought from outside of his tree. He home grows everybody. They go out, they fail, and they come back. And and that as it seems to be how it's worked for years. Or they just don't come back. Guys like Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell just don't end up coming back. But oh. like I feel like all of the coaches have been homegrown except for what Dean Pease maybe. And that and was Billy because of the- Billy O'Brien would be the best example. Brought him in. He was a college offensive coordinator and play sure. caller at Georgia Tech, I believe. Um, made him start over. Started the lowest of the low. I think I've told you guys before. He used to, my cube at Gillette Stadium, he used to be in the copy room right next door just running thousands of copies early in his tenure. And I can remember Dante Scarnecchia telling me, you won't be seeing him long. He will not be in this job for long. This guy's going places. He's really good. And he was right. I mean, he rose quickly, became the play caller, post-Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator, head coach, that whole thing. Um, But you're right. He hasn't done it a lot. Now, there is some affinity, and I don't know if you consider him part of the the Belichick family just because he did coach for Saban and there is some carryover there. Yeah, I guess that's um, true. So I, depending on how you – I just I – th- I think the fact that I would welcome Adam Gase tells you just how, how little I think are. of the current plan. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I would never think I'd be happy to see Adam Gase walking through the door. But at this point, the way everything is going, I feel like I'd be happy to see Adam Gase walking through the door. And that's scary. And I will say um, – been some rumblings out of, uh, and I'll say it, the other station across the street, which isn't really across the street, so I don't know why anybody says that anymore, um, that Adam Gase was is in is still in the mix and was actually in attendance at Patriots practices last year, and that could be, you know, sort of a, a ready-made waiting opportunity. So I don't close the door on that because it just feels like you can't head toward the season with the, the coaching staff you have now. I just... I don't think it can work. Yeah, and to be honest with you, uh, this is coming from someone who doesn't like Mac Jones, but if you want the best for Mac Jones, it is not Adam Gase. That is for <laughs> damn certain. It, because okay. it, sh- it just it doesn't work. So I did want to move on quickly to the Super Bowl. For uh, sure. Not, not so much the game itself. Uh, I think that's been broken down, and people have expressed their opinions on the officiating and Matt yep. Stafford and Joe Burrow and all of that. At this point, the only thing I wanted to touch on for this off-day Patriot-centric podcast was 
Did you learn anything, see anything, feel anything in the Super Bowl that alters or affects the way you think the Patriots should approach their offseason, their future, their rebuild, any the development of Mac Jones? Did, did the Super Bowl affect your thinking on the Patriots? Yeah, I, I think it secured one thought in my mind, and that is, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what you need to give up, how much you need to pay. You need to go and get a legitimate stud top 10 wide receiver. Doesn't Agreed. matter. I don't care who it is. I don't care how you get them. Uh, you can do whatever underhanded deal you need to do with the devil in order to get it. You need a legitimate number one receiver. Because both those teams in the Super Bowl didn't just have one. They had two. Yep. And you don't even have one. Kendrick Bourne is nice. Jacoby Myers are nice. They're good little pieces, and you know what? They'd fit nice right in that Van Jefferson or Tyler Boyd-style role. Yep. But you know what you don't have? You don't have a legitimate number one receiver. You probably don't even have a legitimate number two receiver. And I, you need it desperately. Regardless of your thought on the quarterback, that to me is the most important thing that the Patriots have to do if they want to have any success against teams like Buffalo and Kansas City where you know they're going to score points. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's been a talking point for uh, Mutt and I on nights, um, W-E-E-I, for basically the totality of the playoffs and even heading into the playoffs. You know, the the story of last offseason was comparing the Patriots to other teams and, oh, they all have franchise quarterbacks. You don't. Well, you went out and you got a quarterback. You have a quarterback for the foreseeable future. To me, this offseason was watch all the other games, watch the team beating you, watch that team beating other teams, that team getting beat, and it all revolved around go-to pass-catching playmakers the way we used to live, the way we used yep. to live when Brady would say, well, game's on the line. I'm going to Gronk. Game's on the line. I'm going to Edelman. We saw that with Cooper Cup, certainly, at the end of the, the game for the Rams. They won a Super Bowl because they said, hey, this guy, he's really good. We lost the other guy. He got hurt. This guy, who just won the Triple Crown for receivers, we're just going to throw him the ball because it's that damn easy and he's that damn good. I was proud of Collinsworth for pointing it out. Inside of two minutes, he goes, you know what they did? McVay literally said to Stafford, he's like, doesn't matter if Cooper Cubs double teams. Just find any kind of window, however small it is, throw him the football. Just get the ball down the field, get it to Cooper. That's what and you got to you- do. You're critical of Mac. It's why I've said what Mac did this year was even more impressive because he never had that for one minute of one game of his career where he had the ability to say, screw the play call. I'm just throwing to my good guy because my good guy is better than your good guy. And I think it's really hard to live in the NFL the old school Brady way. Oh, I'm going to go through my reads and progressions and the open receiver is my favorite receiver. doesn't work as much anymore. No, you have to have a favorite receiver. Your yep. favorite receiver has to be your favorite receiver. It has to be a name, a person, a skill set. And that's why I'm going to throw a name at you. We're going to get deep in the weeds of the NFL draft in the coming oh, weeks yeah. and months. One simple name, and I'm just going to cherry pick off the top of some mock drafts early in the process, pre-combine. Okay. Jameson Williams, Alabama, 21st pick in the National Football League draft. So my immediate opinion and reaction is your answer is not in the NFL draft. The huh. you cannot find I don't I, I I don't at this point trust the Patriots to find the answer in the NFL draft. Is there an answer in the draft? Probably. But I do not trust Bill Belichick to find that receiving answer in the NFL draft because you go through the list of all of the guys that went immediately following the times the Patriots have picked receivers, and it is staggering. I was just listening to the Ringer NFL draft show 
uh, earlier this morning, and the list is like Anquan Bolden, Greg Jennings, Chris Godwin, AJ Brown. Like, just it, it's it is ridiculous. So, in my opinion, I think you need to take a bit of a page out of the Los Angeles Rams playbook. Take a couple of those draft picks. They don't matter as much, Bill. Those first round, second round picks, they're not as important as you think they are. Trade them away and get me a legitimate certified stud. That's what the Rams did. That's why they went and got Ramsey. They went and got Stafford. It tends to, it it works if you trade for a legitimate, like an absolutely proven thing. Not trading a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, trading legitimate currency for legitimate talent. Okay, no hypotheticals though. You got to give me a name. Uh so I I think a name that can be available, I think is Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams is currently available. I also think Chris Godwin also available. Those two names immediately to me stand out and if you want to play the waiting game, which Belichick is want to do, I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Evans becomes available. Because if the Buccaneers cannot secure a quarterback, to replace the shoes or to fill the shoes of Tom Brady, I think that their season is. I don't want to use the word lost, but it's in uh, dire peril, and, and, and so I can see them being willing to just kind of unload a little bit for this year and try and regroup for the following year. Okay, so I, I don't think Devontae Adams is realistic because I don't think there's a shot in hell you could get him to come to New England. Personally, um, financially, obviously, there's. There's going to be hurdles with any of these guys. Yeah, but you know, you know as well as anybody, I mean, you can rip up the contract and make a new one. And right now, yes, the Patriots are limited on cap space in 2022, but 2023 that cap space just skyrockets. I no, was looking and, and, at it today; they have like 110 million dollars worth of cap space come 2023, right. which is why I think you could make it work. I don't think Devontae Adams would say, yeah, I want to go play with Mac Jones. I've been playing with Aaron Rodgers, the most physically gifted quarterback, arguably, of his generation. I'm going to go play with Mac Jones, who some people believe has a pea shooter. I just, I can't, I can't fathom that, even if you offered him, you know, okay, here's another one for you. What about uh, Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas, that's a legitimate option. I'm a little bit more interested in, I just don't know where he is at. And and this is a risk you. These guys are available for a reason yep. sometimes. 100%. And I don't know where I'm at with, with his mentality. Now, I will say the good part would be Bill Belichick and Sean Payton are kissing cousins, essentially. You could get a scouting report, what went wrong, why you know why he's maybe not comfortable or, or a perfect fit, diva, whatever it is. I think you'd get a good scouting report. Um, I'm, I'm interested that you totally shoot down Jamison Williams as an NFL number one We've seen so many of these receivers come into the NFL in recent years and absolutely change their teams. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, the best examples. Like I said, there could be an answer in the draft. I just don't trust Belichick to find the answer. Is <laughs> the biggest issue for me in terms of him trying to draft a receiver. I, I, I just I, I think there will be a team that will find a legitimate stud receiver who might win Rookie of the Year again next year because I don't particularly love the quarterback class this nope. year. So... With that in mind, sure, you can take a stab, but I don't trust Belichick to find the right guy. Wow, that's problematic, especially since he's coming off what is a pretty good draft with Stevenson and Barmore and obviously Mac Jones falling to him, allowing yeah, I him just, to take I, him. For whatever reason, to me, Belichick struggles at drafting receivers and drafting corners. I just don't think he's very good at it. Well, it's been a common um, thought 
that given his background, he likes bigger players more than, you know, other people really do that the further you get from the football, the worse he is as a drafter. And agreed. There's certainly some arguments and examples to be made for that. Um, We'll see. But I do. I I also think what we'll get into in the discussion process over the course of, you know, the coming weeks in the offseason is and and this kind of carries me into my next question slash point. The the amount you invested in the offense last year with two tight ends, two wide receivers, all the money, some of it was good return on investment, a good portion of it was not. I, I don't know how you get through the offseason targeting a number one playmaker when you did all that and you still have so much work to do on defense. That's why I, I kind of wonder whether the offensive home run or, or or trying to really get to where you want to be offensively might be like a two-year process moving yeah. forward. And that leads me to we're coming up on franchise tag talk, period. J.C. Jackson, Pro Bowl cornerback, had a pick in the Pro Bowl, more interceptions than anyone the last four years. We know all the accolades. Another good year as a playmaker. I've come around on J.C. Jackson. I would like to see the Patriots sign him to a long-term contract, whatever it takes, you know, five years, $80 million. Um, not, I don't want to franchise tag him because I think that's a big cap number that essentially eats up a lot of your cap space for this year. I'd rather see what you touched on long-term deal where I fit him into my cap over the next four or five years and kind of slide him honestly into the slot that Stefan Gilmore has eaten up for the last five years yep. on the salary cap. Um, where are you on J.C. Jackson? How would you like to see that handled this offseason? So I really like J.C. Jackson as a player. I think he. I don't think he gets enough credit outside of the Boston market as he deserves. I think he is one of the better. I think. Why is I he would, buying chicken? What? Outside Boston market, you said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy. Totally derailed you there, and that yeah, was my it's, point. It's fun. Uh, I think he is a top five corner in football. I do. I think he's probably right around four or five, but he's a top five corner in football. And so I think he deserves a long-term contract. But I think what you see the Patriots do with J.C. Jackson is indicative of their plans going forward. If you're willing to franchise tag him, to me, that indicates that you believe you are capable of making a push for a Super Bowl now, which I don't buy. I think you're still a year or two away. If you let him go, to me, that indicates you think he... A, cost too much money, and B, you are even farther away than I think you are. And if you give him the long-term deal, I think that fits right in the idea that you could theoretically contend for a Super Bowl if things continue to break properly in the next three-ish years, right? Maybe not next season, maybe the season after that, but definitely the following season. So 2024, to me, seems like the most realistic window where the Patriots could legitimately compete for another Super Bowl. And so, ideally, J.C. Jackson fits into that picture because I think having a top-end corner is part of a winning franchise. But, again, I think it all depends where Belichick sees this team. If he sees it as an immediate winner, I think you see him get a franchise tag or he gets paid. If if Belichick still thinks they're a couple years away, similar to how I do, or even farther away than that, I think there's a chance J.C. Jackson walks. Yeah, I don't want him to walk, first of all. And I always get back to, I've come around. I wasn't always sure I wanted to hand him a lot of money. I wasn't always sure he was a a number one corner. I do now believe he's a number one corner. I don't know if he's top five or not. I am also uh, very hesitant to really grade the cornerback position 
because you know this, I think it's the hardest position in all of sports to play. It is, 100%. And these guys that are supposedly the best at it, like Jalen Ramsey, I've watched for two straight games get torched on an NFL field with his team's season on the line. Now, didn't cost him. His team was still able to win. But the days of thinking, you know, Darrell Revis is going to shut down the other guy, regardless of who the other guy is, Mike Evans or, you know, uh, uh, Chase or whoever, those are gone. Like, it's just too hard to play the position and there's too many good receivers, too many good quarterbacks. So even the best give up plays. But I think he's he's among the better cornerbacks in the game. And we've said this forever. When Bill Belichick has a good team and a good defense, he has a number one corner. He has a Pro Bowl corner. And to just allow that to walk out the door without really the next J.C. Jackson in line. Because remember, you let Gilmore, well, you traded Gilmore away. Everybody had been saying, J.C. Jackson's a number one corner. J.C. Jackson could be better. J.C. Jackson, J.C. Jackson. Who, who, who are we saying that about now if you let J.C. Jackson walk? Who's the next in line? Yeah, it doesn't look like there's one. Are you confident in Miles Bryant? Nope. Joan Williams? Hell no. I don't, yeah. Um, there's nothing. Like, unless you're Jonathan tra- Jones unless, becomes your best corner. Unless your plan is to trade up and draft Derek Stingley Jr., you don't have a next guy. Right, which is sort of like the coaching staff in a different way. So, therefore... The leverage of keeping, kind of like they kept Josh McDaniels a few years ago because they didn't have a great succession plan and still don't, but didn't at the time. Um, I think you you are sort of pushed towards having to sign J.C. Jackson long-term. And again, I don't like the tag idea because it delays the decision. It gives him a massive amount of money for one year. It also makes him say, well, if I make 17 this year, I need to make more next year. It creates this this structure of the deal moving forward. Especially if, you do ha- if he has a better year, that number right. just keeps going up. So I-, I am on board with signing J.C. Jackson. I think that would be the way to go. So I would get my accountants and cap guys and all them to uh, figure out the deal, hammer it out, keep him here. Because otherwise you're just stacking question upon question upon question on this team. And I am with you. I think you can sell yourself that this could be a Super Bowl contender in two to three years. I need J.C. Jackson in all likelihood to be part of the picture if I'm going to sell myself on that. So uh, I think that would be an investment in that. Um, before we start to wrap this up, did you have any specific topics? I know you're in the day-to-day minutia now. You're running a show. you got hot takes left and right. Anything we didn't touch on that's timely? No, I love the way uh, we've kind of approached episode one together. I think that was a very good, nice umbrella picture at where we kind of, the state of the Patriots, if you will. This is the off-day podcast's state of the Patriots address as we enter the off-season. Super Bowl is officially behind us. We're now looking forward to 2022. I'm excited to talk about the draft. I've just started all of my research. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, spoiler alert, the quarterbacks, not great. So you don't have to worry about me saying they should draft somebody and get rid of Mac Jones. No, and there there may not be a quarterback. I mean, yeah, they'll be forced up, but I, I don't even know that there's – Mac Jones would have gone would have been the first quarterback in this draft. I actually we, said that this morning yeah. on the Greg Hill Show. I said uh, that was my lead today is that Patriots fans – I took a positive spin. I said Patriots fans should be happy – that they have Mac Jones because he would be the first quarterback taken in this year's NFL draft because these guys I don't love. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. Um, So some minutia here uh, as we trend forward. You know, Chris is going to be uh, handling the production of the podcast. We may, you know, tweak opens. We may have drops. He may spice it up a little bit. No no shot at Ryan Hannibal, just a 
different skill set in the role now. Yep, so I, uh, I am very familiar with the audio editing process. I actually have a request in for some new uh, voiceover. So we're gonna nice. you're going to stick the same intro song. That was a John Anderson request since he made the original open. <laughs> and uh, so we will stick with the same uh, tune in the background, but some new voiceover work for you. So uh, it's going to be a brand new feel to it. I will say I'm a little uh, concerned about, because obviously the off-day podcast is paying homage to Bill Belichick's famous no days off. Of course. No, um, I feel like Bill Belichick takes a lot more days off of late. In the he last does. I years. feel like I'm the one that doesn't take days off. Yeah, now. You me know, too. I, I'm now working on the Greg Hill program, so I'm here at 4 a.m. I'm recording Same. podcasts with you. I did podcasts with Mutt. I was doing segments on Mutt's show. Like, I'm just, I'm not a producer show on Saturday mornings. I was with you and Fitzy sometimes. Man, I'm working my ass off over here. So I feel You're like, working I, like I fit Bill into the to. theme. Yeah, you're working like Bill used to, and now yeah. Bill's watching the Super Bowl at, I don't even know how to, Mar-a-Lago? Mar-a-Lago? Mar-a-Lago, yeah. Mar-a-Lago with uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, Barbados Bill is now Florida Bill from a couple of years. I Just uh, just interesting. I, I see a little irony in Mr. No Days Off. Seems to be taking more days off, even though he's got more jobs to damn do I'm and worried, more roles Andy. to fill. I'm worried. Okay, so he's worried. I'm Andy Hart. Uh, <laughs> if you like us, if you love us, Remember to leave a, a comment. Follow us on Twitter at Off Day Pod. I think Shime will be taking over that uh, correct that account. We'll be posting the podcast. So if you have any complaints, they no longer go to Ryan Hannibal. Complaints about posting or technology or sound quality, those all go to Chris Shime because we know I take no responsibility around here whatsoever. Yeah, Andy's job is to just show up, sit behind a microphone, spew a bunch of nonsense for thirty to minutes to an hour, and then uh, go home. It's about time somebody understood me. And you're I get the guy you. That, that gets me. I'm just the talent. Don't blame me. <laughs> uh, for Chris Scheim, I am Andy Hart. This is the first of many new edition, new era off-day podcasts. If you love us, tell a friend. Expand our listenership. Peace out. You've been listening to the off-day podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com and the Odyssey app. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.